0: Good morning and welcome, and the Lord be with you, and And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who has gathered us here this morning, who has given us this time and place of worship, given us the good company of one another, and for this we give thanks. We are especially grateful for those who may be visiting with us this morning, for our guest. You bless us with your presence. We pray this is a blessed time for us all as we gather together in the presence of our Lord. As we gather, we are mindful of opportunities uh, that are before us. and We remember first and foremost that yesterday being the third Saturday of the month is the occasion in which we share in the ministries of the Food Bank and Clothes closets. so many thanks to all who volunteered for these efforts and for the contributions that make this ministry possible. As we gathered at the ministry center yesterday, 105 families received a box of food. Uh, 161 boxes total were packed, and 365 people total were served. In regard to the closed closet, 92 families or households were served, a total of 326 people served by way of the closed closet. So again, many thanks for your efforts that make these ministries happen, and we look forward to sharing in this ministry again the third Saturday in September. We remember the ministries that are before us Uh, this particular week, the gathering uh, on Tuesday for the noon movie. All of you are invited to see the movie The Shack that will take place in the ministry center across the street at noon. You may bring your lunch and share in this time of fellowship. Also, uh, next week, um, following this time of worship, there will be a reception for Jill. We welcome you and I look forward to your introduction in this time of worship as well. Also, next Saturday, you will notice the opportunity to work again in the mission project on Jacqueline Littlefeather's home. Uh, In keep in ministry the prayers, uh, keep in prayers the ministry that resumes again tomorrow as our children gather for puppets and children's choirs. Uh, It's going to be a lively place here tomorrow afternoon, and for that, we give thanks. Uh, We notice as well the uh, upcoming study of Living Faithfully, Uh, The books are here at the church and invite you to be a part of that beginning September 18th.
1: for choir, piano, and flute. And so not only for the reception, but also to have Sandra here that day is going to be extremely exciting too. Today, though, I get to introduce you to my husband. That's his first role in my life. But he's also, we share a love of singing. We always have, we always will. And so I thought what better way to introduce you to him, he'll be at the but to have him sing for you a little bit today as well. So, Jake will be offering our special music in the prelude and in the operatory time. And I would ask you to say during the postlude for his rousing rendition of Without a Song from Yeoman's musical
0: Great Day. Thank you. I invite us to prepare to worship God together. I invite us to stand our call to worship before us. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also every weight the sin so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. may have noticed by way of the bulletin cover this morning we speak to wisdom and of course the biblical person whom we associate with wisdom king solomon so we anticipate the scripture that comes to us especially from first kings as we share in our opening prayer we go to god as we pray holy god you granted solomon's request for an understanding mind and the knowledge to discern good from evil Fill us with such understanding and knowledge that we may act as instruments of your loving desire for creation. We pray that we would work with you to transform our conceit into concern for others, our fear into love, our violence into peace, and our brokenness into wholeness. Amen. We proclaim the word of God first from the letter to the Ephesians from the New Testament, chapter 5. Verses 15 through 20, let us pray. Lord, by your word, all things are brought into being. By your word, you create and recreate. Pour your word upon us, inspire us, fill us, satisfy us with your word, which sustains and renews each and every day. In Christ we pray, amen. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always and for everything, giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you, Mary Ann. Invite our children to come forward at this time, as Megan will lead us in children's time, with the help of Maddie.
2: Maddie's joining you for children's time this morning. She's not asleep today. Well, I noticed in our bulletin that this coming week is very special because one of our favorite ministries is starting back. What is happening tomorrow? I'm going to have a choir. Oh, okay. Are you coming here tomorrow? For puppets and choir. Yeah, it's an exciting Monday. So we're getting back on schedule. So all of you are back in school, if you're in school, and we go to school each day, and then we come here on Monday afternoons for puppets and choir, and then we come on Sunday, like today, for church. And you have children's church and Sunday school, and our schedules are very important. Each day, you have something special. You wake up, and you have breakfast, and you go to school, and you come home and have supper, and you go to sleep. And our schedules are so important because God made us to be people that have a schedule and a routine. Like every day we have fun or go to school and then we sleep. And each week we have a special day that we come to church for rest. So we have rest every day at the end of the day. Sometimes we take naps too. And then we have rest at the end of the week where we come to church and we worship God. And God made us that way to be people that rest and relax. Mm -hmm. Because at night, when you go to bed, that's when your body grows, and that's when you're able to grow stronger and smarter, and God built that into us. Because in the beginning, when he created the earth, there were seven days, and he worked for six of those days, and then he rested on the seven. And rest is so important. She's just talking. She's not crying. It's okay. You'll know if she's crying. But, so remember that rest is important. God built us to be people that rest and spend time with him because he needed rest too. So each evening when you come home and you go to bed, know that God made that special for you, and that's when you grow stronger and smarter and ready for the next day. So I'm excited to see all of you tomorrow here for Puppets and Choir. Let's have a word of prayer. You want to repeat after me? Dear Lord. Thank you for all the fun and learning that we do during the day. And we thank you for our times of rest. Because those are the times when we grow for the next day. Amen.
0: Thank you Megan. Thank you Elizabeth for being with Children's Church today. Going to have fun. Okay. Okay. I invite us to stand as we sing. From 1 Kings, the second and third chapter, we hear the word of our Lord. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat upon the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings upon that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown great and steadfast love to thy servant David, my father, because he walked before thee in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward thee. And thou hast kept for him this great and steadfast love and hast given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people whom thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give thy servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern thy people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this thy great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, Both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I don't know how well you remember your dreams. I confess I don't remember my dreams well, I'm not sure why, but it means when I am with someone who speaks to me at length about a recent dream, I wonder how they are able to share in such detail about their dreams. How do you recall all that stuff? So I find myself impressed on those occasions where someone's dream serves as inspiration for a certain project Perhaps a work of art. Late in his life, the great singer Johnny Cash recorded a song titled The Man Comes Around. He wrote this song at a time when he wasn't really writing many songs, and this song, according to Cash, was originally a poem whose 50 or 60 verses kept changing. It's based loosely on the book of Revelation in the Bible, said Cash, and I would go from one interpretation to another. When someone asked Johnny Cash if he had been writing a lot of poetry, he responded, no, I haven't, not at all. This was the one thing, and it came out of a dream. A dream about the Queen of England. I had a dream that I was in Buckingham Palace. And I walked in, and there she sat on the floor, which she probably doesn't do at all. But she had a friend there, and they were laughing. They, they had their knitting needles. And I walked up, and she looked at me from her knitting and kind of gasped and said, Johnny Cash, you're just like a thorn tree in a whirlwind. And I woke up and I thought, what does that mean? That's got to be a meaningful dream, but nothing came to me. No revelation on what the dream meant. So I thought about it for a long, long time. This dream was seven years ago. But the idea of this dream kept coming back around, and I kept thinking about it. So finally I thought, maybe it's biblical. So I got a concordance down and started looking for it, and I found it in the book of Job about a thorn tree in a whirlwind. Well, whether or not I remember my dreams as well as Johnny Cash, I am gathered within a faith that remembers its dreams very well, a faith in which dreams serve as means by which God carries out his saving work. We know this. We remember it was Jacob who dreamt of a ladder stretched between heaven and earth, angels ascending and descending. It was Joseph, favored son of Jacob, whose dreams saved God's people, as these dreams helped the people of God store up food before a time of famine. The prophet Joel speaks of a time when old men shall dream dreams. Prophecy fulfilled as God's Spirit is poured upon all God's people on the day of Pentecost. Dreams serve as instruments of God's salvation at the birth of Jesus. We know that. It was then another Joseph, preparing to leave his betrothed, Mary, because he knew he wasn't the father of the child she carried, is told by an angel in a dream, Don't fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. As King Herod fears the newborn child and wishes to kill him, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream, tells him, Take the child and his mother and go to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. And finally, when King Herod dies, an angel again appears to Joseph, you guessed it, in a dream. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of God's unfolding narrative of his salvation for all he has made, this revelation of himself to Solomon in a dream. Now, we think of Solomon, we think of wisdom, often hearing of the wisdom of Solomon, believing wisdom central to the identity is the fact that this man is wise, and we ascribe certain biblical proverbs to Solomon, building our case to prove this man is wise. As further evidence of his wisdom, we remember the story that's found just a few verses after this morning's scripture. Two women appear before the king, each declaring a certain child belongs to them. The king finds himself in a terrible predicament, no DNA testing, Two women telling the king, the child is mine. How resolve this dilemma? Well, it's simple, right? Being a king possessing great wisdom, Solomon figures out, I'm going to determine who the real mother of the child is. Bring me a sword. Divide the living child in two and give half to the one, half to the other. Drastic, perhaps, but it worked. Yes, Solomon possessed great wisdom, But there is more to his story than this. Solomon was the son of Israel's greatest king, King David. He would prove to be the third and last king of the united Israel. Israel dividing into northern and southern kingdoms upon his death. Fulfilling the covenant word, God spoke to his father. It's under the leadership of Solomon that a temple is built, a temple standing as the holiest of places. Until its destruction by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians around 587 BC. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, speaking of the beauty of the lilies of the field, tells us Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. So Solomon appears to be among the most admirable of men. Admirable, yes far from perfect. You see, Solomon wasn't the only descendant of David who laid claim to the throne upon the death of his father, but Solomon was ambitious. Ambitious enough to make sure he was the one who would reign as king upon the death of David. You see, David had another son, could have been heir to the throne, a son named Adonijah. Solomon, when he perceived Adonijah as angling to be king, Let's say he just makes sure that Adonijah doesn't become king. Not only this, those of David's court who supported Adonijah as heir to the throne were put to death at the word of Solomon. As if that's not enough to ensure power, Solomon marries the daughter of Pharaoh, daughter of the king of a neighboring nation and rival, You see, it appears Solomon has heard the old expression, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Additionally, Solomon still offers sacrifices at various high places just to make sure he covers all his bases, that he does not miss out on any means by which to secure for himself a future. Yes, Solomon is wise and conniving, and ambitious, and ruthless. But remember what we were told in our scripture? Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David his father, a complex, confusing man, this Solomon, a man bringing to mind again Johnny Cash, Because it was fellow singer and songwriter Chris Christofferson who said of Johnny Cash, words also applying to Solomon, a walk in contradiction, partly truth, partly fiction. This morning we find ourselves in the presence of this man whom we are told loves the Lord. We find this lover of the Lord sacrificing at the high places, high places not set aside for the Lord. In the course of his sacrificing, Solomon goes to a place called Gibeon to sacrifice there. We're told Gibeon was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings upon that altar. It's at Gibeon, we are told, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And the Lord says to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. Wow. What a question for the Lord to ask Solomon. I mean, who's in charge here? By the sound of this question, it is almost as if the Lord is to serve Solomon rather than Solomon being subject to the Lord. Are Solomon and the Lord mutual? Are they equal to one another? Is Solomon to dictate the behavior of the Lord? Yet here is the Lord saying to Solomon, and remember all we now know about Solomon, ask what I shall give you. What kind of Lord takes this kind of risk, the risk inherent in asking someone such as Solomon, ask what I shall give you? The Lord asked the question of Solomon, he could just as well ask this question of you and me, this question, ask what I shall give you. Ask what I shall give you? Well, Lord, since you ask. I could use some more income. I'm tired of sacrificing. I'm tired of doing without. I'm tired of comparing myself to the prosperity of my neighbors. So if it's not too much for you to provide for me some more revenue, I'd be grateful. And while I've got your attention, Lord, let me tell you about my relationship with my loved ones. We're not at peace with one another. The relationship, to be honest, is a living hell. You want to know what you could give me? You could give me peace with those I love. And before you go, Lord, one more thing. My health is not what I'd like it to be. I weigh too much, breathe too heavily, take so many pills I rattle. I don't see well. I don't hear well. My calendar is filled with doctor's appointments. I've learned of medical specialties I never knew existed. So Lord, if you're asking me what shall I give you, I'll be so bold as to ask you to make me well. So here is Solomon having the Lord ask this question of him. Solomon, the man who has dispatched Godfather style, those contending for the power he wants. Solomon marrying not for love, but for influence. Solomon sacrificing at altars, not out of devotion to the Lord, but just in case. It's this Solomon who is asked by the Lord, What shall I give you? It's a man playing with house money, isn't it? Maybe so. But this is still a man who, given opportunity to answer in any number of self-serving ways, answers this way. Give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil." We are told it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. We are not told to what degree the Lord was surprised. Not the answer we expect from this man. But the Bible more than once leads us to those places where God, against every expectation, breaks into our lives. We know those places, as does Solomon, where we look for anything but God but are visited by none other than God. Who knew? Or well, perhaps that's why Solomon answers the Lord as he does. Perhaps this is why Solomon answers with all humility with an answer revealing his desire to do nothing other than govern his people faithfully. Recalling his checkered past and the grace God shows him, it may be Solomon responds to such grace by submitting to the God who risked himself to the will of Solomon. So we may wonder this morning, Has this God changed? It's true, we're not in line to be king or queen of God's people. But we're not as distant from Solomon as we may believe. Because it's true, each of us has our personal Gibeon. That place where we look for anything but God, only to find ourselves met by God. Remember as well, as Solomon brings his checkered past before God, so you and I bring the entirety of our histories into the presence of God. There are histories in which we may look upon our deceit, our self-serving ways. They may be histories carrying within them embarrassment and shame. They may be histories in which we believe ourselves distant from God. Still, we find ourselves time and again at our own personal Gibeon, and at such a place as this, there is God. Though we may be surprised, it's, it's not surprising we meet God there. For the God we meet is the God who made a promise to David, Solomon's father. And the promise God spoke to David you and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, your throne shall be established forever. Did we hear that? Did we hear that for Solomon and for all of us with our conflicted past? God is always the God who keeps his promise. This is God who works through our brokenness so as to fulfill his promise to save all he has made. You see, neither Solomon nor we can defeat the purposes of God. We can't remove ourselves from God's intent to save all he has created. We cannot make God break his promises can't make God go back on his saving word. This means you and me, regardless of histories, are now and always gathered within the saving purposes of God. Never do we find ourselves beyond the reach of God. Never do we find our efforts beyond God's ability to save and redeem. Always we are gathered within the saving purposes of God, those purposes using even the corrupt efforts of those whom God has made to fulfill his word to save. We're gathered within these saving purposes because we worship and serve a God who keeps his promise. Amen. I invite us to stand as we respond to the word with the modern affirmation, number 885, before us and in the back of our hymnals. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, Whose mercy is over all his works, and and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, the gift of the Father, the the crown of
2: our hope, and the promise
0: of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance the truth of Christ, and find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in the service of love, as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord, to the end the kingdom of God, may come upon the earth. Amen. As we stand, I invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
3: As we find our
0: places, we will worship God with his tithes and our offerings. I've got them in the palm of my hand.
3: I'll
0: invite our ushers to come forward. I've got nothing else to do today. Let's not hurry. made it. Good for you. Let us pray. Lord, from your hands fall all blessings. We pray for daily bread, but you provide us so much more, giving to us even your own Son, so deep is your love for us. May these gifts return to you, be faithful witness to our love for you, our desire to serve you, and in your care may they accomplish great things for the gospel of Christ. shared from 1 Kings we share in the prayers of the people and we will see a responsive prayers of the people before us a time again a prayer again recalling king solomon and god's intrusion into his life i invite us to share responsively in this prayer and then to pray as christ has taught us let us pray eternal god We thank you today for your goodness. You have given us beautiful days. You bless us richly with goodness daily. We thank you and praise you. We live in
3: a time of civil confusion. We
0: ask today for wisdom, Solomon. We are often fearful, as was Solomon. We live in a time of peril, war. And world unrest. Different and competing interests strive for our attention and loyalty. Help us, O God, to pray for wise and discerning spirits. Give us wisdom to assess the clamoring voices and concerns with which we are daily bombarded. Give us wisdom to be peacemakers and mediators of understanding where there is conflict. Give us wisdom to to discern what is of ultimate value for our souls and to make wise choices. Hear us, O Lord, as we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever. In peace as the light of the world carrying the light of Christ a light by which Christ saves all people in the name of God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit amen
3: you shall love